This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Let's continue the conversation on accessibility standards. Draft regulations for a standard on employment are still open for public review. You heard about those last time reporter Megan Gilmore dropped by. But Megan has stayed on this beat and looked further into accessibility standards in an article that was published for Canadian Affairs. And Megan is going to share what she's learned. Hello, Megan. Hello, Dave. How are you? Megan, I'm good. So I hinted at this. But how did mm -hmm. this story get started for you? Right. So as we mentioned in my last segment, I recently got a new job as a reporter at Canadian Affairs. And one of the things that we uh, like to cover is issues related to work and just people's working lives. And I was like, oh, there's this draft standard on employment for people with disabilities. Let's do a story about that. Employment for people with disabilities, challenges and successes. You know, like we've we've all read these stories. We, we Dave, you could write it in your sleep. Um, so then I was explaining this whole thing about accessibility standards to my editor and explaining how sometimes people make accessibility standards, but they don't ever, ever, like nothing ever really happens to them after they're approved. And she was like, oh, that's really fascinating. You should just look into accessibility standards in general, like across the country. And so that is what I tried to do. And that is what happened. So Megan, you and I love to talk about words and what words mean and the importance of words. What's the difficulty with using the word standard? How come the word standard isn't standardized? Right, yeah. So and this was a this was a big conversation that one of my other editors and I had when we were going through this piece. So on this show, we talk about accessibility standards, and that is the word that is, like, it's called Accessibility Standards Canada. That's like the name of the organization. That's the word that is used in federal and provincial accessibility legislation. Yay, like, that's the word. However, the word standard may give some people the impression that, A, everything is, like, the same, like you were saying, standardized, or that it's required. Like, this is a standard that mm. you have to meet up to. Like, you know, if you have a job and there's standards they should reach up to, or like cleaning standards, like things like this, it's something that you have, you actually have to do. And, but when you look at the legislation about accessibility standards, that's not actually the case. So we're gonna get into this, but a standard only becomes mandated once it becomes a regulation. But we use the word standard when we're talking about its creation which then can get a little confusing for people. Right, but the, the, a standard, as you say, until it's framed in cement with regulation and maybe a punishment for not meeting the standard, yeah. at that point is simply a best practice or a suggested yeah. practice. Right, yeah, recommendation. This is a good thing for you to do. You should do it. It's a good thing, but we use the word standard. And if you're not as like having conversations about this on a regular basis like we are listening to these conversations if you're in the audience um it, it's a little nuance that is very easily to be misunderstood or um not uh, explained well unless somebody takes the time to explain to you that just because something is called a standard that doesn't mean that it's required and this isn't just an accessibility standards like there's all sorts of standards yeah. in, in this country and 
they're not mo most of them are actually voluntary um but we still use the word standard no it, it can be a little bit of a journey especially if you think about this from the federal point of view accessibility yeah. standards canada was really only created a couple of years ago when you really get down oh, yeah. to it so as yeah. you started diving a little deeper into this what did you learn about their work so far Sure. So, and just to remind people, Accessibility Standards Canada created under the Accessible Canada Act that was passed in uh, spring summer of 2019. They Accessibility Standards Canada, which went through a bazillion name changes, it felt like in those few months after the the legislation was passed, they get started beginning of 2020. Okay, like just before COVID hits. Uh, so they're starting to build momentum, and then we get a pandemic, and everything has. Change. So since this time, they have published three completed standards uh, that are on uh, the national website for standards under the CSA group. Two of these were updates to existing standards. And uh, to create these standards, they worked very closely with the CSA group, which is a, a national organization that does standards for various things across Canada. So the three standards that they've completed and published, there's one that has to deal with like uh, built environment, like, like buildings. There's one that has to do with automatic uh, like banking machines and things like that, that would fall under that. Um, and then one that has to do with like house houses and dwelling places and things like that. So any standard that we've talked about on this program recently, so whether that's the draft standard for outdoor places, um, or spaces or the draft standard for employment. They have another draft standard up for review right now about emergency preparedness. Those are all in various stages of development. Uh, they're not finished yet. And Accessibility Standards Canada was very kind to send me this very long list of like every technical committee that they have right now. Um, there's a lot going on, but in terms of completed standards, there's only been three that have been published. They have not been sent for federal approval to be made into regulations. Right. So they are just best practices standards that are out there. Which again, understanding this is a journey, that, that especially when you're talking about the legal or government framework, you have to accept that the wheels of progress are going to move slowly because you want to get them right. But where are the places where standards are, accessibility standards are actually standard and required? Right, so that would be in some provinces where accessibility standards have been accepted by provincial governments and adopted into regulations. So specifically, Ontario and Manitoba both have passed several accessibility standards since their accessibility legislation uh, was passed. Um, and just so we talk about these big reviews, right? We, did, we talked about the review of the Nova Scotia Accessibility Act. Uh, we have talked about reviews of the AODA, the Accessibility Insurance <laughs> Accessibility Act. I think we're up to uh, like a third or fourth review of the AODA, yeah, and it keeps telling us we're not going to meet the we're not going to meet the timeline. Yeah, pretty much. Not today. Spoiler: We can tell you about this stuff. Um, but also, individual standards have a legislative review. They need to be reviewed every five years. So, um, Ontario is in the process of reviewing its customer service standard. Manitoba is in the process of creating a transportation standard. It has had several drafts. There's much to be said about Manitoba's uh, transportation uh, standard. Um, and then also in Ontario, we've had draft standards, so like recommended standards. We talked about them on this show in the past few years, education, healthcare. Those have been sent to the appropriate government ministry 
and we do not know what has happened to them since then. They have been sent there. They have been there for years, and we are waiting. But there are some that haven't passed into regulations. There's just concerns that they're they, some in some cases that they're out of date. Um, but again, these regulations also get reviewed. They're uh, supposed to get reviewed on a regular basis. Megan, if you were to take a, a broader look at this, yeah. in, in sort of the definition that you laid out before in regards to the terminology, that a standard is not a standard until it's enshrined into law with, you know, mm -hmm. consequences of missing the yeah. standard. What are, like, what's the bigger picture here about standards being a requirement for accessibility? Right. I think it is important to note that you can, if you are an organization, let's say you're an employer or you're a government agency, I actually think it is possible, in my humble opinion, for you to become more accessible without a standard being made into regulation. So what I mean by that is, as you said, a lot of the things that are mentioned, let's say in the, let's say in the draft employment standard, you could consider them to be best practices. And people who work in disability employment will say a lot of these things are best practices that we've actually known about for years. And in some cases, organizations are already adopting them. So I spoke to a woman, Amy Lonsberry, from a family foundation in Calgary uh, that works with individuals who have autism. And she helps organize a network called Worktopia, helps increase employment for individuals who are on the spectrum. They, they That organization has been doing some of the things that is are mentioned in the draft employment standard for years. And they did that before Accessibility Standards Canada came out with this draft employment standard. So I do think, um, and, and this is not to excuse slow governments, but like it is possible for an organization to make a decision that is, we are going to take this on ourselves. We're not going to wait for a government regulation. Mm -hmm. We're not going to wait for a government-regulated penalty if we don't do it, and we're just going to do it. You are able to do that. That's why these are published publicly in their draft form so that you can get ideas. Megan, there's a saying going around in modern business that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Companies can have a million meetings about uh, what they want to do with their standards, but it's the culture that matters. So I think what you're getting at there is companies, if they embrace inclusion and accessibility at their core, it's not a question of waiting for someone else to do the work. You have it built into your culture. That was something Denis Boudreau was talking about yesterday about, yeah. about inclusive hiring practices. It's like a warm handshake when you're coming towards people with an inclusive culture rather than saying, fix my culture for me. Right. Yeah, and that's a great way of putting it. And I would, um, I, I think it does raise a question. If you are only doing something accessibility related because the government has told you that you must, and if you don't do it and they find out there's a possibility that you will face a monetary fine, if that's the only reason why you're doing it, I would question, do you actually even care about this? Mm -hmm. Like, is this even something that's important to you really as a value? Or is it just, we want to comply so that we don't get dinged with a fine and people find out that we did comply? As I continue to be a quote machine from movies from the late 90s, I referred to the 1999 film Office Space when a manager tells one of the servers, what do you think of people who just do the bare minimum? Megan, thank you for this. The article was really interesting. Have a great day.
Thank you. Megan Gilmore is a reporter for Canadian Affairs. A link to her piece on accessibility standards will be available on the blog, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now, where you can find it right from the source, canadianaffairs.news, canadianaffairs.news. Go support Megan Gilmore at canadianaffairs.news. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe has the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter, Lori Paris with your Morning Business Minutes. North American markets opened today in the black thanks to a broad-based rally led by strength in base metal, financial and technology stocks. The S&P TSX Composite Index starts the day up 157 points at 19,620. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average added 314 points to 33,984. The S&P 500 index increased by 45 points to 4,373, while the Nasdaq Composite gained 160 points to 13,567. Asian shares have advanced after U.S. stocks rallied as investors unwound some of last week's moves driven by worries about war in the Middle East. Markets are awaiting China's latest economic growth figures, which are due out Wednesday. Japan's Nikkei surged 381 points to close at 32,040. South Korea's Kospi climbed 23 points to 2,460. The Shanghai Composite Index inched up 9 points to 3 and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.40 cents U.S., virtually unchanged from yesterday's close of 73.43 cents U.S. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Lori Paris. Thank you very much, Lori. Let's bring in Alex for the weather story of the day. Alex, keeping your eye on the West Coast just like yesterday. Yeah, Dave, uh, we're going to be following up on a story that I talked about last week with regards to the remnants of Typhoon Bolivin, which is in the Pacific uh, area, and it's going to be making its way through BC over the next couple of days. There's now more clarity of what that impact is going to look like. So the remnants that have been uh, lingering in, in the Pacific Ocean have met up with an atmospheric river. What that means is it's going to be a lot of moisture and a lot of wind in BC. Just how much? Well, Vancouver Island can expect to see up to 300 millimeters of rain over the next couple of days, Dave. So the areas most at risk are going to be along the west side of Vancouver Island. So places like Topino, they're going to be the ones getting hit hardest with that upwards of 300 millimeters of rain. Elsewhere, parts of the, the coast of the mainland, you could see upwards of 150 millimeters of rain through Thursday. And in terms of the wind, the most severely hit is gonna be places like Haida Gwaii, which could see winds up to 100 kilometers per hour. So for a bit of context on all this, in October, the average amount of rainfall for Victoria is just over a hundred millimeters per month for the month of October. So in these next two days, they may double, may even triple that wow. average amount for wow. the month with this one one system making its way through. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up after the break, CNIB's Clearing Our Path program aims to address the need for creating accessible environments. Sault Ste. Marie community reporter Dorothy McNaughton will have some perspective and details. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.